You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Today, we're kicking off a very special series, as I was fortunate enough to attend ANA's 2023 Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida, and talk to many of the brilliant speakers at the event. Kicking things off, we have Yvonne Kinzer, head of marketing at Avocados from Mexico. Yvonne gave us the backstory of the brand that was never supposed to be a brand, and shared what it is about Avocados from Mexico's culture that allows for such consistently innovative work. We're about to meet the masters of brand masters, starting now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here in sunny Florida at the ANA Brand Masters Conference, and I have just the privilege and pleasure of having Yvonne Kinsler, Head of Marketing and Vice President of Marketing and Innovation at Avocados from Mexico, was my very first guest here down at the conference. Yvonne, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Hi, Michael. No, thank you so very much for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I'm a big fan of ANA. I think that what you're doing for the industry is very remarkable, and I'm happy to contribute in any way I can. Well, we're just overjoyed to have you here. And at the ANA, uh, we're big on transparency, so I just want to let all the listeners know I've been a big, big fan of avocados from Mexico since I think their first Super Bowl ad. Um, I had the the pleasure of interviewing uh, Alvaro Luque in 2019, and so it's just great to be able to catch up to the brand. But before we do that, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to AFM? Of course. You know, I, I say that my career has been almost as eclectic as my music taste. <laughs> and um, I came to the U.S. from Venezuela in the year of 2000, and I started with uh, Macanerik Song, Timberly McLean in mm-hmm. Dallas, overseeing the advertising account for American Airlines across tw- 20 countries in Latin America. Oh. I started there my journey in digital marketing. It was at the very, very stage of digital marketing, but I I got fascinated by so many things about it, especially the possibility to control the outcome in a much better and faster way than traditional marketing. And um, it was at the beginning of digital marketing, so it's not everything that I do for the following years. I stay in traditional marketing, as well, but I went from there to the Richards Group, other agencies, I went to the corporation, American Airlines. At some point in my career, about three years after this, I realized something, I learned something about me and that you don't know when you're studying, right? Mm Because we don't know what we don't know. And I realized that my skills and my passion are very well aligned, but are not well aligned with the traditional marketing or the traditional way to do marketing. So mm-hmm. I, at that point, I pivoted in my career to rediscover what is that I want to do. I created my own company. I consult for international brands for a while. I work for small technology startups. I work for small advertising agencies that were very disruptive and hungry and um, I 
then went to legacy brands that were trying to reinvent themselves. So, but that, that was my niche. I discovered that's my niche, that's what I do great, and that's what I get excited about. And during that process, I came across Avocado from Mexico. They found me, mm-hmm. and they invited me to interview for the position of head of digital marketing back then. That was nine years ago. It was before the first Super Bowl. And um, I was a little bit hesitant because mm-hmm. it was an unknown brand. Right, yeah, completely unknown <laughs> before it kind of hit the stage. Right. I have to ask, actually, when the recruiter invited me, I say. What's that? Is that a, is that a company? Is that a brand? And, and she explained it to me, but she was very compelling, and she invited me to go and talk to Alvaro Luque, who you interview. Mm-hmm. He was just starting the organization. We were like six people at that point. Mm-hmm. He was looking for a head of digital marketing. There was not even a website by, by then. But um, he said something very compelling to me, and he said that, answering my question why he wanted me, because I didn't have any experience in that category. I came from fashion, retail, uh, travel, transportation, zero experience in fresh products. Mm -hmm. And he said that that's exactly what he was looking for because he wanted someone who helped him do what nobody else has done or is doing. That was it, I was sold. And that's, was the beginning of the journey. That became a mantra and became a promise and became the fundamental pillar of everything that we did since then in the department that I managed, but digital marketing, but then eventually I became the head of marketing and I brought that mindset with me. Wow. That is, that is so crazy. And I didn't realize that because I was thinking, and as you were explaining kind of your, like the multifacets of your experience and then that you kind of went on a soul-searching entrepreneurial journey, I was like, oh, you're perfect for avocados from Mexico, but Alvaro saw that before there was an AFM, this disruptive, well-known household, avocados come from Mexico and they grow year-round and they're good for you because they have good, like, before all of that, that is crazy to me that he had that much vision that he could see that you were like the disruptor yeah, definitely. He's a visionary, without a doubt, and he wouldn't have hired me, me, if he would, if he wouldn't have that vision. It's pretty obvious based on my background and and based on the conversation that we had that I was going to disrupt and I was going to challenge the status quo, and because that's what he wanted, so we immediately click, and here I am. Talk about a perfect match. That's incredible. So we kind of discussed it a little, but I want to focus in on it. AFM is such a unique brand in that it was never really supposed to be a brand. Um, Can you explain what what I'm talking about for our listenerships? Because I'm still even Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the first step is what we just talked about, right? They they brought Alvaro Luque to lead this brand, and he comes from CPG. So he's a brand guy, 100%. But before that, I think the, the story of avocado from Mexico is so magical. And the magic started even before then, when for first time ever, two different organizations from two different countries, one is the, the one that encompasses the growers of avocado from Mexico in Mexico, mm-hmm. and the other one is in the US, 
that is the organization of the, the packers and distributors of Aucar from Mexico. They came together for first time ever um, under one of the checkoff programs of the US Department of Agriculture. So now think about it. A lot of people think that avocados from Mexico uh, is comprised of a few wealthy big growers. But there's nothing farther from the truth because it's actually, when it started, it was 20,000 small growers. The minimum that you need to be part of the export program is 12 trees. So now imagine, think about it, imagine this. We sometimes have a hard time in a conference room aligning with our peers, like four or five. Imagine 20,000 20, people aligning. Yeah. So that was the first miracle. And then, of course, they brought Alvaro. Alvaro has his, his vision very, very clear and consistent. And he wanted not only to create a brand, but to create a disruptive brand. And he created his executive team with that in mind. And none of us come from fresh products. We come from CPG and large organizations, small disruptive brands, and, um, and that's how he, he put together his, his workforce. Super cool. Just super cool. And since this super team has been put together, AFM has been just a beacon of innovation and creativity, and it's just the things get deeper and deeper, more complex and more immersive, more engaging. Obviously, Alvaro had the vision. But to be that consistent and to be that seamlessly all connected, there needs to be some sort of culture that is pinning this all together. Can you speak a little bit to the culture of avocados from Mexico and, and how that plays into all the great work you're able to do? Yes, of course. So I, I will say that innovation is in our DNA. And of course, the culture comes from the people that shape the brand. And, and you know, if you ask me, what do you think that is the more impactful elements that we have or characteristic that we have that made, make it so innovative, I will say that the reason is because we didn't have a legacy. Mm -hmm. I have been in organizations where I heard way too many times, this is the way that we're doing it because this, this is how we have been doing it since whatever year. So although legacy is great and I, respect it very much when you want to innovate and you when you want to disrupt legacy is your enemy yep so we didn't have a legacy and we were able to invent which is easier than reinvent because when you reinvent you have to change and challenge and convince and when you invent it's because there's nothing done yeah and we have that great advantage and that great privilege that we had to invent everything because nothing was done. The Beyond Profit podcast is part of ANA's Center for Brand Purpose. Host Ken Bolyu serves up inspirational and insightful interviews with today's foremost leaders in the purpose movement. This podcast will help you learn about the power of purposeful marketing and why being a force for good can be a game changer in a competitive marketplace. Check out ana.net slash podcast for more. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it's so funny because I always tell people that that is the superpower of marketing futures as like a little program is that we launched in 2018, but we've been kind of trying to pivot and change and transform all the time. 
And so I kind of, we don't have legacy as a, as a practice and that's, you know, it just lets you take a look at what's the best idea and what makes the most sense right now. And you're right, with legacy, there's that comfort zone, there's the preconceived notions, there's stuff that's just so ingrained in the way people see and do things um, that, yeah, a lack of legacy is really a superpower for a brand. So to give you an example, when I started there nine years ago, my first project was to build and launch a Super Bowl campaign in, on digital. But then I was just me. It was a team of one. Right. And um, I look and I research to figure out what that means. How can we deliver a great performance in this project, Super Bowl Digital? And I realized that Super Bowl was a huge conversation. Mm -hmm. And the brands that can stand out are those that are going to win in quotations, yeah, right? Absolutely. So that's built my strategy based on that. And what happened was that Avocado from Mexico on that one Super Bowl became the second best digital Super Bowl campaign after Procter & Gamble. Mm -hmm. So think about it. If Avocado from Mexico will have, have legacy, somebody will have told me there's KPIs that we need to meet, this benchmark that we need to meet, we need to do things in a certain way, we wouldn't be able to yeah. disrupt the way we did it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And even if a brand is entering a brand new channel, that legacy thinking is like, well, no, the KPIs got to be, we still got to do. Even if you're right. going, stepping into completely foreign land for, for that brand. Yeah. Um, so that that's super, super cool. So this is a little bit of a pivot. We're back here in person at the Brand Masters after a few years of that not really being possible. What was the biggest thing you've learned, either as a marketer or as a person, during the pandemic lockdown and, and just kind of everything that the, the world collectively went through? You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an optimistic. I, I tend to see the, the full half of the glass all the time. And to that question, I'm just in awe. I'm fascinated. I, how the world and how the industry came together to find solutions. It was beautiful. We came together, when you look at the technology, the marketing industry came together just to create solutions so we can continue to function under those circumstances. Marketers create ways to address the needs of the consumer under those circumstances. We learn to react quicker to all everything and all the needs that we, and all the, the challenges that we had to face during that time. We figured out how to do conferences really quickly. Even um, universities, for example, and I have the opportunity to visit one the other day um, to speak to the students, and they showed me the some new rooms that they built during the pandemic that now are the Zoom rooms. They're spectacular and, and very, very effective. So how can we come together and solve a problem so that situation would not disrupt us from continuing to do what we need to do and want to do is very amazing to me. That's awesome. That's such a good answer and really just made me stop and think back at so many of the stories that I got to hear about you know, shooting a commercial and there's eight people in eight different places. And then like the two, like yeah. there were just a lot of really inspiring stories 
beyond innovation to just that human ingenuity and that never say quit attitude. So I love that answer so yeah. very much. Actually, I have, we have a story. We have a story, uh, one of those stories that you're mentioning. We, it was close to Cinco de Mayo mm -hmm. when that happened. Everything, oh, everybody yeah, yeah, started yeah, thinking, okay, we have to close this. And um, we had a TV commercial ready to go for Cinco de Mayo. We had produced that commercial already. But there was a characteristic of that commercial that the context happened in a hospital. So you were showing a, people in a hospital celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Obviously, it was not appropriate right. anymore. So we throw away the already produced Cinco de Mayo spot. And in 10 days, we built a digital campaign that it was homemade whack, inviting Consumers, we built an e-commerce landing page, so they could—they didn't even have to leave their houses. They will a recipe randomizer. They will pick the recipe, order their ingredients online, and make their wax with their family, share to participate to win. To this day, that has been the most successful campaign in terms of performance, uh -huh. even even higher performance than or Super Bowl digital campaigns. It was very, very, very strong. That is incredible. And it's so brilliant. I mean, goodness gracious. Like, and I think that's what this, the optimism and the vision and the, this kind of disrupt thing, I could see so many companies being like, well, there's money down the drain. Turning it around into the most successful digital activation in lieu of like you guys crushing it at the Super Bowl every year, that is, that is a perfect and quintessential pandemic story of marketers and, and creativity finding a way. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So my next question would typically be kind of like a cliche for a lot of people, but I genuinely always want to know what is next for avocados from Mexico? Look, we have, you know, we have talked about the Super Bowl campaigns and how we have been the most, the best performing campaign. But what I want to leave very, very clear is that all that, everything that we're doing leads to somewhere that has been there and is a strategic goal that we have set for us. For example, during the Super Bowl 2017, 2018, there was UGOB launch a survey one month after the Super Bowl, what were the brands that participated in the Super Bowl that shows the highest increase in purchase consideration, and avocado from Mexico came on top. So every, we knew everything that we're doing is having an impact in the metrics that matter. And when you look at it at our story of 10 years, because we have 10 years. In, uh, 10 years ago, the, the avocado from Mexico, the origin be, started becoming a brand. So if you look in 10 years, we went from 4% on native awareness to 24% on native awareness. And from 1.2 billion pounds of avocados in, imported to the US to 2.4 billion pounds of avocados imported to the US. So we have really moved the needle and when you ask me now, what is next? We do need now to continue to invent ourselves. And I'm not going to say, I refuse to say reinvent, because I think that the challenge is to continue inventing what nobody else has done. 
and to bring those numbers even higher. The bar is very high right now, and uh, it's difficult, it's more difficult, and it's going to be more difficult than was 10 years ago because the bar is so high and we have done so much. But I think that we need to embrace that commitment of when we think about what's next, we need to first stay and keep that ingenuity that we always have do anything in our power to keep the legacy away and what it brings with it and avoid that kind of conversation. This is the way we do it because this is how we have been done it. So we can take it to the next level. We can, again, bring that unaided awareness even higher, bring that imports even higher. But for that, we need to continue in the same path. I really love how you put that we need to invent, not reinvent, because I feel like reinvent almost subconsciously you're bringing the past with you. Yes. And you're trying to figure out something new. But yeah, just the concept of, you know, we're constantly inventing. This is all new. We can, us keeping the stuff that works isn't something we need to put mind and focus and energy to. Let's keep figuring this out. You've got the foundation built. I love it. Uh, I think that that's such a great mindset to take to it all. So we're going to do another pivot here on the pod. These are three questions that we ask all of our guests. The first one we leave open by design. Yvonne, what are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? That's a very interesting topic, and it's a topic that I think the conversation is huge about that. The, the first thing that I have to tell you is that this world is diverse. Period. Mm -hmm. So you embrace it or you are out yes. because you cannot change the composition of the society. But also, I want to talk about, and I want to take this opportunity to talk about something that is not included so much in that conversation, which is that when we talk about inclusion and equality, we typically go to a place where the gender or um, sexual orientation or race. But there's something that we don't talk about enough, which is the style and the personality. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about inclusion, we need to include everyone, even those that have a management style or a leadership style that doesn't fit the mold of what we're used to. Especially, I think that this is the root of including female leaders, because typically and historically, the image and the vision that we have of a good, strong leadership matches the style of male leadership. But we can have female leaders that even though they don't have those characteristics, they are still phenomenal leaders. In terms of personality, there's very valuable people in every organization that don't meet the profile of that the strong leader, assertive, mm -hmm. but yeah. they are great and they are themselves. And I think that if we don't start including them, we cannot say that we're really inclusive. Right, 1000%, I, I think that's so right. 
And, that, and I think that it being so ingrained that that almost becomes the subconscious legacy. And you've got some terrible business practices that have almost become rote because it's part of that swagger and I'm, I'm going to tell you what's up and this, yeah, that assertive to aggressive style of management. If that's the only thing in the room, that's, that's terrible. Where, and I'd say it like on the complete opposite of the spectrum. If it's so polite that everybody's ideas, no matter the quality, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna try, we'll put a million dollars, like, there, there can't be either way, and you need both, you need the dynamic, in totally. you need them interacting with each other, totally. to get that middle thing, to get that all-inclusive thing. Totally, you, you are stronger when you embrace the characteristics of everyone, and in marketing, you know, the consumer is diverse, and yes. you need a diverse thinking in order to, satisfy the consumer's needs. If you only go with one style, you're not gonna have their needs covered because it's not going to be enough for you to have a strong strategy without the collective thinking of a um, diverse group. Yeah, 1,000%, 1,000%. All right, Yvonne, we were keeping the, the questions light so far. Uh, I'm a big Avocados from Mexico fan, but Everybody who comes on the pod has to answer the next question. Yvonne Kensler, head of marketing, VP of marketing and innovation, Avocados from Mexico. What is your favorite album of all time and why? <laughs> yeah, that's the most difficult question of the interview by far. <laughs> um, remember what I said at the beginning, my career and my taste for music are as eclectic as each other. So I have a one pizza Spotify library, and um, you can find there anything between country music, pop, Hispanic, Latin. Uh, but I, I don't have when you think of, when I think about a favorite album, um, I think about a specific song that I love, yeah. and when I love a song. I listen to it, I can listen to the same song the entire day from morning to night. Uh, very much the same. My husband thinks that he's crazy when he goes <laughs> in the car with me. I say, if you're gonna come with me in my car, be prepared because we're gonna hear this song from here to whatever we're going. He said, that's fine. So um, it depends, right, uh, when you ask me. But, uh, you know, artists that I love, I like um, in, in Country, Gordon Lightfoot, I, lo I love Toby Keith, mm -hmm. I love Shakira, all her albums. Um, I love Paul Simon, Kodachrome, that's, that's one a, of yes. the songs that I can listen for 24 hours, still, no problem still, <laughs> um, all the way to, you know, uh, Miley Cyrus, Kelly Clarkson, I, I, I love all kind of music, and I don't separate that in different lists. I, I have I it all together. It. I feel like that's the answer of the future. I've been told a few times that I've only got a few uh, years left to ask about albums. I'm going to have to be, you know, what five artists are uh, on your dream playlist. So thank you for helping usher us into the future. That's a great answer. So let us now, speaking of, if, are there any songs or artists that you're listening to 24-7? Maybe it's a podcast, a book. What's getting you excited nowadays? I, I listen to a lot. I'm always consuming content and information in so many different ways. So for entertaining, I'm a big, huge fan of forensic shows because I love the way they use the thinking to solve and, and the science to solve a crime. 
But if you think about it, that's very similar to marketing, right? Mm -hmm. You use thinking and you use technology to solve the biggest problems that we have. So I'm a big fan of that. But I also listen to marketing audiobooks. I like a lot to walk in nature on weekends and, and early in the morning. And I always listen to either a crime show or forensic or uh, marketing books. I love this uh, quantum marketing from Raha, Raha Manar. Oh my God, yeah, I love Incredible, that. That very, great. very insightful, very well written, very inspiring. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, I just finished writing my first book. Congratulations, so, <laughs> thank that's crazy. You. Yeah, it's, it has been a, an amazing journey because it's about um, thinking. It's a, I have been for two years thinking about thinking, creative thinking, oh, critical thinking, cool. innovative thinking. So to write that, and because I was in that phase of developing the ideas for the book, I read and listened a lot of uh, biographies from innovators and, and mm -hmm. creative people that is disrupting to understand how they think and what they make them tick in terms of how they just solve the problems uh, in their areas. And I have been reading the bios of Elon Musk, even the genius of Michelangelo, the wow. book to understand those are the first great thinkers of that time. Um, I'm Malala, oh, um, yes. great. In all of them changing the world because of the way they think different than anyone else in their context. That's so exciting. Are there details you can share on its release or are you still in the kind of process of getting that all together? No, actually I finished writing it December 31st because I had that deadline for me. So I was a little bit short and I just locked myself down and wrote for an entire week because I said, I'm going to finish. But then what I didn't know, because this is my first time publishing a book, what I didn't know is when you finish the writing, which took me two years, that's, not, that's the beginning yeah. of the second phase of the, the process. So after that, it was the editing, multiple rounds of editing, and then now it's in formatting and this design of the cover, then the publishing. So everything, the timeline that I have is to publish it in July. Mm -hmm. And the team helping me with this is I'm just pushing them because I say I'm telling everybody that it's going to be out in July. So it has to be out in July. So yeah. that, that's my deadline. That's, that's incredible. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on after I read through that book in like two days. Because yeah, thinking about thinking, that is just an incredibly relevant thing. I'm a very meta and I love to understand how one person's thought can ripple across and have such a huge effect in a lot of these cases. So before we let you go, there are a lot of exciting things going on left to do at the conference. If people want to learn a little bit more about avocados from Mexico, if people want to become a fan of yours become, before you're a New York Times bestselling author, how do we keep in touch? So my social profiles, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere is Yvonne Kinzer. And I'm the only one, Yvonne Kinzer, in, on LinkedIn. So I-V-O-N-N-E-K-I-N-S-E-R. Um, happy to connect with everyone and, and you know, mutually just educate each other and inform each other about what's going on in this industry that is changing every single day. Yes, that is amazing. 
Thank you so, 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 so much, Yvonne, for being a guest on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us in two weeks when we welcome GFK's CMO, Gonzalo Garcia Villanueva, and Hubble's Margaret Adi to discuss the former showdown with none other than ChatGPT. It's a two-parter you're not going to want to miss. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.